Thank you, David. Okay, week two of two for me. So remember where the expectation bar is, right? We set it right down around here last week, and let's keep it there. But next week, Chris Ward will be here. And so you guys take that bar, and you put it right here, okay? Right here for Chris. Are you here, Chris? No pressure at all next week for you. This is the, this is the second and final week of this mini-series called Living in the Vision of God. And last week, we got this theology lesson from Bugs Bunny and this band called Rockwell. And we learned that every moment of every day of our life, that literally it's being lived out in the vision of God. In other words, that he's watching us. And we looked at this compilation of verses from Psalm 139, and we saw that God has these attributes that describe his presence such that he is everywhere all the time, which means that there's no place that we can be where he isn't and where he doesn't see us. As well, in those verses, we saw that God has this ability to know everything, to know everyone, even to the point that God can look at us and he can know with certainty our very thoughts, our very emotions, everything about us. And we saw that the combination of those two attributes of God, they form this supernatural vision that he sees with as he's watching you and as he's watching me, and that if we would have this increased awareness of that truth, and that out of our love for God, that that would make a huge difference in our lives, in what we do, in what we don't do, and how we feel. And I hope and I pray that a growing number of us during the course of this past week have been and will continue to be encouraged and even corrected if we need to be corrected by that truth that God is literally watching us. And this week, I'd like to explore what it might look like to pursue figuratively living in the vision of God, to enter ourselves into the line of sight that God has as he's watching then those that are around us, such that our vision, what we see, that it would be reshaped by his vision. And that because we would see people through the filter that he sees them, that our hearts would be captured by that, if not broken by that. But we, our hearts would be captured and broken by the things that breaks his heart, his heart. And I've come to learn that the best way to allow God to reshape my life is to kind of do this comparison of what I think and what I feel against what I think God wants me to think and God wants me to feel about a particular thing. And then as I do that, as I compare those things, I identify these gaps or these tensions between the two, between how I think and feel and how God wants me to think and feel. And that becomes this fertile ground of life transformation as I kind of partner with God to have him move me away from my line of thinking and my line of feeling towards his. And it winds up changing the things that I do. And so I, I had to give some con consideration this week to like, what's my vision filter? How do I see people? And so I just sort of retraced some times and circumstances where people have been around me recently where I had this opportunity to see them. And, and though I'm an introvert, I think that I'm a people person. And so I'm going through this exercise. And I have to tell you guys, it made me a little bit disappointed in myself because what I came to find is that the filter through which I see people so often is so shallow and a lot about me. My vision filter is so shallow and it's so much about me. Like, I do a lot of sizing people up. I, I look at people and I see them and I note the things that they have. I see their cars. I see the kind of houses they have. 
I won't say I see the kind of jobs they have, just in case Rick sees this and he thinks maybe I'm pining for some other kind of a job, but I look, I look at what people have so often. I go to the gym. I, look, I, I see these guys, they have that bicep vein that runs down their arm, you know? And man, even in my leanest days, when you could see my ribs sticking out of my shirt, I never had that bicep vein. But I look at people. I just look at the things they have or the things they don't have, and I look at it in relation to what I have, and I just kind of do this little bit of mental, mental math. And it's not, I don't get the, this insidious feeling of jealousy or inferiority or even uh, this feeling of pride when I look at people that way. But I notice that I have very often this tangible perspective when I look at people. And then as I'm just going through this look back, uh, I found as well that I oftentimes I'm looking at people and I'm seeing the things that they've done or the things that they haven't done. And I notice behaviors and I notice decision making. And sometimes I see some really positive things. I see some really great wisdom or some real selflessness. But mostly what caught my attention as I looked back is that oftentimes when I look at people, what I see is I see their bad decisions. And I see their laziness or their selfishness or their self-righteousness. When I look at people and I see what they've done or what they haven't done, I just go through this kind of mental math and I just compare it to what I've done and what I haven't done. And, and I'm not looking too much about you know, what's driving their decisions their behaviors, or even their sins. It's really this surface-level thing where I'm looking at them and I'm seeing what they're doing or not doing and I'm checking it against what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And a lot of times, uh, I'm seeing them just so that I can feel a little bit better uh, about myself. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there were enough moments as I looked back over the weeks where my personal vision was really kind of surface-level surface level and even selfish. And that was a little bit troubling to me. And I've had some moments, I think, where I've kind of caught God's vision, but I'm just being honest. As I thought about how I see people most of the time, a lot of the time, there just wasn't much depth. I mean, hey, what do they got? You know, what do I have? What are they doing? What am I doing? And, and I considered these moments, and I didn't feel like I was living in the vision of God very much, that I was figuratively, figuratively living in the vision of God as he was looking at people. And I thought, man, I know this is true for me. I wonder if it's really true for many of you, that as you see people, that oftentimes that's where you're going. And I don't want to presume that. And so I set out to just ask some people, like, what do you see when you see people? And so I posed this qu question to the first person that I happened upon. And when she finally got around to her gut response, God slapped me right upside the head. I felt like Mr. T was standing behind me, and he's like, fool, and he just whacked me upside the head. And I have to tell you, I gave up. I gave up asking anyone else after that. Like, I know. Here's the deal. I know we see people in this surface-level, selfish kind of way. Frankly, that's not much of a surprise, I don't think. But this conversation that I had with this lady revealed something far worse, far more insidious about our vision, about my vision when I'm looking at people. And so this is kind of how it went. I posed the question to her. I say, hey, what do you see when you see people? And she knew the question was in the context of this morning's message about seeing people with God's vision. And she stood there for a moment and she began to process. 
and to think. And I've got my pad and my pen because like, I'm going to go around and ask a bunch of people and take great notes. And she's thinking and she's processing. And so I decide I got to help her out and give her a scenario because I'm kind of impatient that way, right? And so I say, all right, okay, look, let's say you pull up to a gas station, to a gas pump, and you're pumping gas and another car pulls up and someone gets out and they start to pump gas. What do you see when you see that person on the other side of the island? And so she starts to think, and she's processing, and she says, well, you know, if it's a guy, if it's at night, maybe I'm kind of thinking about my surroundings and, and my security, and I'm okay that way. And if it's a lady, and she's thinking, and she's processing, and I like to be the helper, right? And so I figured, I'm going to help here, and I'm going to change the scenario. And so I say, all right, forget the gas station. Like, go to the grocery store, because it's safe at the grocery store. And so... You know, I'm like, you're, you're at the grocery store. What do you see when you see people? And she's thinking and she's processing. And then she says, you know, I think my problem is that most of the time I don't see people at all. Pow! Right upside my head. I felt this uncomfortable stirring to the very core of who I am. Immediately as those words came out of her mouth, most of the time I don't see people at all. Talk about counter to God's vision. We know he sees people all of the time. And I knew it wasn't literally like she didn't see them because she's not blind. I know she's not blind. She certainly saw them. But her point was it just wasn't in her consciousness. It wasn't in her awareness to even be open and available to see people with this deep, penetrating perspective, one that might actually be triggered by God or the Holy Spirit in her. And I almost, I almost immediately, as that head slap came whacking me in the back of the head, I felt that even beyond this comparison game that I play with people as I'm looking at them around these worldly things, even beyond the self-serving, self-righteous measurement, judgment stick that I use as I size people up, which frankly I think is real for all of us, I think God was telling me that it was this sense of prevalent indifference or apathy that I sometimes have, that we maybe often have, that's this major barrier to us really living out this vision of God in his sight line as he's looking at other people. And God made this so personal for me in that moment. I mean, all this stuff is all of a sudden rolling through my head as I stood there with her. It immediately brought to mind Sunday mornings here for me at FCC. A lot of you guys know that most of the time I'm outside before and after services virtually every Sunday to greet people, and I love doing that. I remember how impacted I was when I first started coming here over 18 years ago, how there were always these smiling faces out front ready to greet me, remembering my name, how, how it made me feel known and accepted and received into the church's arms, even into God's arms. And it wasn't long in my tenure as an attender here that I resolved that most every Sunday morning, I would be one of those people out in front. And long before I was on staff and long before I was on the board, I began to just come early before the first service. And I would stay till well after the second service when just about everybody was gone. I would just, I'd be out there and I'd be warmly greeting people as they arrived. And I'd be sending them off with a good wish and a goodbye. I wanted them to feel God's touch when they came to FCC. And in the moment of that head slap, I realized I get so caught up in the, hello, good morning, I'm so glad that you're here, or the goodbye, I hope you have a great week. 
and not wanting to miss out on any of you guys. I mean, watch me sometime. I'm scurrying over here and I'm scurrying over there and I'm telling people, hey, don't stand in that spot because that's my spot. This is, like the, this is like the prime spot. That there have been times where God has placed before me this opportunity to see someone in a way that was deep and penetrating, to respond to a need for something, to dispense on his behalf some kind of an affirmation or an encouragement or some hope or a prayer, something more than a handshake and a hello. And honestly, sometimes I did see that and I did that, but a lot of the time I know I completely miss it because I have my own agenda. I don't want to miss that person that's walking by and not say good morning to them. And and sometimes I'm so focused on greeting everyone, I'm just simply oblivious to to the fact that God is trying to specifically put someone in my path so that I might see them the way he is currently seeing them because they need something more than a handshake. And and don't hate me for this. Sometimes I, I do see a person coming, they're walking in from the parking lot, and I see them with God's vision. Like I feel that tug on my shirt from the Holy Spirit that says, that person. There's something more that I need you to give to that person. Or I sense it in their hello, or I sense it in their handshake that it begs for something more than a good morning, I'm glad you're here, or goodbye, have a great day. And I move right by to the next person anyway. I I ignore that tug because there's so many people to greet. And frankly, irrespective of whether my lack of response is due to just being oblivious to it, just being kind of ignorant, or whether I see it and I'm being indifferent, my drive-by, it has the same result. God has someone in his sights, someone that he intends to position me within his sight line of them so that I might respond on his behalf. And I blow it. I blow it because I'm not paying attention, or I blow it because I'm being selfish. And that was such a humble, uncomfortable revelation for me. All of this happened in the moments I was standing there with this lady. And then if that realization wasn't painful enough, I quickly realized it's that way for me, not just here on Sunday morning, but at the gas station, and at the grocery store, and at the gym. And then it got even worse because I realized that that's what my vision looks like so often in my house with my family and with my close friends and even my coworkers. I mean, I see them. I, I see them, but I really, I really don't. Does that make any sense to you? Can you relate to that at all? Do you literally see people but not really see them? Might you sometimes be totally ignorant or even experience twinges of indifference and apathy when God is trying to position you to see someone the way he's seeing them and you just miss it and you're just blind to what God is up to. It it, it happens to me all the time. And I think this is the most significant and egregious misalignment that we have in terms of the vision that God has when when he sees his people and the vision that we have when they see them. Like, that was my two things. Like, what am I seeing, and what's God seeing? And the big thing for me was, God is seeing people, and I ain't. And and in order for me to get into alignment with that, I had to try and understand and figure out, what do I do? And and God, he sees, there's so many different ways that we can see a person, and God looks, and he sees them all. All the things that we see with our human eyes, he sees all of that. 
But overriding everything is that God has this vision that is redemptive and restorative. When he sees people, he sees opportunity for redemption and for restoration. He chooses to see through these eyes of grace and compassion and hope and love and patience such that the old broken lives that they have and that they're living in could be redeemed for new lives, could be restored and growing in relationship with him and with other people. And it's his desire that we would see through those eyes too. Not these lenses of it's all about me, but rather these lens, this lens of it's all about them. God's inviting us. Frankly, for those of you that are Christ followers in the room, God is commanding us into that field of vision that we might see these opportunities to sow his seeds of redemption and restoration in people. What kind of difference might that make in the world? If the church at large got this with gusto, what kind of difference would it make? If we would trade our surface level, selfish vision for his vision, and, and beyond the world, what kind of difference would it make in your home, in your school, in your workplace, in your friend groups? Imagine looking at a person that just cut you off and seeing someone that's really stressed out who's running late for some critical appointment, not, for, not la- as some jerk. Or imagine a person that spends ridiculous amount of monies on shoes or clothes where you begin to see that it's someone who longs to feel beautiful inside and out. Imagine you're looking at your grumpy neighbor and now you see someone who's never had anyone model kindness to him. Or you look at that flawed person, at that sinner whose life is a wreck, as a wreck, and you realize that they're really just this lost sheep. They're really just someone that desperately needs Jesus. Imagine how that would change the way you react to people. Imagine how that might change you. That's the thing about seeing the world through God's vision instead of our vision. It changes everything. Not only does it provide an opportunity to change everything about them, it provides an opportunity to change everything about us. Such that you'll see a homeless person on the street corner. Your heart will hurt some. You'll hear rumors or gossip in your workplace. And you'll see beyond those labels you hear. And you'll view that person for who they really are. Someone that is cherished by God. You'll notice someone having a terrible day and you'll actually care. Whenever you meet people that aren't followers of Jesus, it'll bother you. It'll start to bother you inside. It'll bother you that they haven't said yes to this eternal gift of life that he's given them. And you won't just care about these people and leave it at that. No, as you begin to live in this sight line that God has as he sees people, is you'll do something about it. You'll get involved. You'll say a prayer. You'll offer some help. You'll make some sacrifices. You'll change your priorities and your agendas. You'll share, your, you'll share the good news about Jesus. It's what we were made for. It's, what we, it's where the fullness of life really comes from. It really does, people. And I know for a lot of us, this is really scary kind of stuff. It's hard to open our eyes and really see the world and the people around us like God does. To become aware of how many broken and hurting people are out there and to watch some of the things that they do to each other and that they do to themselves It's so hard to open our eyes and see like God does because it draws us into their hurt. But, oh, might we have that desire 
that we might have that desire. That's God's desire for us. Might that be the desire of our hearts? There's this song that's pretty popular on Christian radio. I bet a lot of you have heard it. Uh, you listen to it on, if you listen to KSBJ or, or Air One. The, the artist's name is Brandon Heath. And the song title is Give Me Your Eyes. And the chorus of that st- song, it speaks so perfectly to this idea of us figuratively living in the vision of God as he's seeing and as he's watching people. This is, this is what the chorus goes like. And I'm, no, I'm not singing it. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I keep missing, give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. That's an impassioned plea from a follower of Jesus asking God to pull him into this field of supernatural vision that God has as he sees other people. These, these words, they're, they're drawing us to get beyond this surface-level, self-serving, self-righteous filter that we use when we see people, to remove the scales of ignorance and indifference and apathy from our eyes and to replace them with the same redemptive and restorative vision that God has, to see people what they could be, not for what they have or don't have and not for what they've done or not done, but for how Jesus could transform them if they only knew how much he loved them. I know, I know that it seems like a tall order. We have a hard time not seeing people's flaws. It's not easy to look past their terrible choices or even our own wants and desires and priorities, but we can do this. We, we can really do this as we draw closer to God. The more that we'll see by his sight, the more that we'll see people like he does. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to live in that vision more. And I've resolved to do a couple of things to try and position myself smack into his vision. And I'd like to just share two things with you. First and foremost, I've started to practice praying for God's vision. I've started to practice praying for God's vision. We need to pray and ask him to give us his eyes for his people with passion, just like the chorus of this song does. God, would you give me your eyes for just one second? Would you give me your eyes so that I can see? We need to pray with boldness and with expectation because the reality is that left on our own, we never even get out of or we quickly drift back to this selfish, judgmental, ignorant, apathetic vision of other people. It's just who we are apart from God. It's just, it's just who we are. And so we, just, we need to pray, and we need to pray, and we need to pray. And then we just need to expect that God would reshape our vision. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, that whenever we pray to God for something that is in alignment with his will, he is so pleased to give us what we ask for. And I'm not sure if there's anything that pleases God more and is more, in more alignment with his will than our desire to see people with this res, redemptive, restorative vision, just like he's looking at them, and then to have this willingness to respond. Jesus was this perfect human model of someone who lived fully in the vision of God. In the Gospels, they speak clearly of Jesus' propensity and his persistence in seeking God's will and guidance and heart 
through prayer, even Jesus. Scripture says it was his custom early in the morning to find time alone with God and to pray. And I could see him out there, and he could be, God, give me your eyes so I could see these people and the redemption and the restoration that they need just the way that you do. And so it's no surprise that Jesus' passion, it burned white hot with every sunrise for people that had this broken relationship with God that needed redemption and restoration. And God is calling every follower of Jesus to get into alignment with his vision of other people and to be dispensers of his grace and his love and his mercy and his compassion and of his truth. And we regularly miss it. We miss that great call if we don't get into the practice of, of praying every day for his vision. Give us your vision, God. Give us your eyes. I'll, I'll, I'll offer to you a jump start into that praying for that vision. We're going to have a, corporate, a time of corporate prayer and worship this afternoon at 4 o'clock up in the foundry. From, for about an hour or so, we're going to meet upstairs and, and we're going to pray about what God is doing in terms of seeing people around our community and our circles and to give us his vision for them. This top three uh, mentality of having people, specific people that God's saying, I need you to see them the way I'm seeing them and I need you to do something. And so an at-large invitation, there's some childcare that'll be available. Come up at four o'clock and join us for about an hour and start praying for this. And then I've resolved to practice being present with people, just to practice being present with people. As I mentioned earlier, there's such a tendency to just have the people around us fade to black, to fade into invisibility as we're so wrapped up in our own worlds. Most of the time, I don't really see people at all. I mean, that's, that's so true for me. And I bet that's so true for so many of you. At best, in our busyness, in our hurriedness, we rush right by people that God intends for us to see with this deep, penetrating vision of his. At best, we rush right by them in our busyness. But at worst, our selfishness and putting our agenda before God's breeds this indifference and this apathy towards other people. And, and as I was thinking around this, my attention was drawn to a passage in Mark chapter 5. Jesus is approached by this father who compels Jesus to go with him because this little daughter of his is dying. And so they're heading to this man's home, and along the way, in the midst of this massive crowd of people, there's this woman that Scripture says has had a hemorrhaging problem for 12 years. She's, she's had this constant bleeding problem for 12 years, and she heard of the great miraculous healings that Jesus had performed. And everything that she had tried before left her um, unhealed. And so she's thinking, if I could just touch his robe, I would be healed. And the passage says that she comes up behind Jesus in this crowd of people and she simply touches the back of his robe. And Mark chapter 5 verse 29 says, in the instant she touched the robe, she was immediately healed. And what I found so incredible about this story wasn't so much that she was instantly healed as she touched his robe, but rather that Jesus stopped to encounter her, which was remarkable to me on two fronts. First, there's this little girl who's dying. I mean, what could be more important than, than to getting to her without delay? And then secondly, the verse said that immediately upon touching Jesus' robe, this woman, she was immediately healed. The urgency around this little girl was as high as it could be, and frankly, the urgency around this woman's health issue, it was gone. 
But even if it wasn't gone, she had dealt with it for 12 years. Like on the scale of medical triage, if I, if I said that right, you nurses, um, she could have waited a little bit longer. She wasn't the one that needed the attention. But Jesus, he stops. He, he stops. Jesus sensed that there was more than physical healing, which she had already received, that God intended that she would receive from him. He saw her with this deep, penetrating vision, and she needed affirmation. She needed affirmation of her faith in God, of her being noticed by God, of his attentiveness to him. And so Jesus, in all of the urgency, he stops. Man, if I could just stop, if I could just see the people around me, really see them in all of my busyness, in all of my hurriedness, as I invited God to give me his eyes, what might be revealed that I'm regularly running right by as I live out my own agenda and I live out my own life? What am I missing that God has put right before me to see? I've got this immense blessing of having my son and my daughter-in-law and my grandson live with me. And, And this past week, as I considered this message, I felt this great conviction about these opportunities to see the three of them more fully as God does, that, that when I walk in the house, that I would put my phone down or I would stay off of my iPad I, or I would forego the ball game, watching the ball game in the other room and I would start to practice being present with them, really present with them. As I'm praying to God, God, give me your eyes to see people. Would you give me the eyes to see them? And then might I practice actually being present with them to get engaged in the hopes that they have or in the fears that they have or in the needs that they have to be seen, to be heard, to be encouraged in those places that God clearly sees and I'm walking right by them. And they may hear this if they show up today and they think, no, we're good. Really, we're, we're good. And you know what? Maybe they are. I mean, God sees them. God knows what their needs are, but maybe he has something for me in my very own house, and I walk right by it. Those words in the chorus to that song that say, give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your hearts for the ones forgotten. You know, we have a team right now in Haiti. You know that. And, and for sure, they are seeing people that are brokenhearted and that are far beyond our reach. They're ones that are forgotten, even forgotten by their families. They're all the way over there in Haiti. But friends, these words, they ring true to the ones that are in our very closest of circles. Our friends are brokenhearted. And it sure seems the way that we see them, that they're far beyond our reach and they're totally forgotten. Those words, they ring true for us, even in our closest relationships, in the ones that we love and care for the most about. It's as if we hardly see them. Can you relate to that at all? Are you walking right by people that God has in your midst every single day that he's seeing with this need for redemption and for restoration and you're blowing right by them in your selfishness or in your hurriedness or in your indifference? I think, friends, that we are, oh, that I would be and that you would be more fully available and with clearer vision than ever for even the ones that are closest to you in your home, 
at the gas station, in the grocery store, at the gym, in your workplace, wherever. God is calling us to live in this vision of his. And he doesn't need us to walk right by the ones that are right here and go all the way over to Haiti to do that. Oh, friends, if we, if we could do this, what a difference it would make in our lives and in the lives of the ones we love, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools. I pray that might be that way for you and for me. Father in heaven, we do just, oh, we stand before you with this understanding that you're watching us, literally that you're watching everything that we do. And we want that, Father, to inform us about the things that we do in our lives and the things we don't do in our lives. And we know, Father, that as, as, even as you're watching us, you're watching the people around us and you're inviting us into this sight line that you see when you look at them. And there's so much need, there's so much redemption and restoration that needs to happen in the people around us. Father, may we see that. May we respond to that. Father, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Father, I know that as we do that, we would live in this uh, great awareness of you and your presence in our lives and we would experience the fullness of life that you've come to offer us and that we would be conduits of everything that you provide such that the people around us would experience that as well. Father, as Sarah leads us in one final song, I pray that through the words of this song that our hearts will continue to be shaped and broken for what breaks yours. In Jesus' name, 